Hi, I'm Deepak Madnani, entrepreneur, problem solver, and amateur barista. I am on a mission to help forward-thinking entrepreneurs succeed and grow by understanding two simple rules. Crisis is a clarity opportunity, and the question is never really the question. Today, I am putting my barista skills to the test and sharing a cup of coffee with resilient problem solvers from all over the world. Let's get started. Francis Knight, welcome. Welcome. What a privilege. What, what a great way to catch up with a good friend. And Hong Kong being one of those places is everybody gets too busy. We, we run the hamster wheel here and we are very close, but we haven't seen each other face to face for yeah. almost. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> almost, almost two years, right, Francis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but we do keep on top of each other's uh, background. Francis, you were just sharing. I thought it was a glass of wine, and and it's three in the afternoon. So, it, <laughs> what is it, Francis? What, what are it's you drinking? My, it's my energy. It's raw energy from beetroot. So it's beetroot uh, drink with the right container, right? <laughs> right? I like it. And you know, it's my afternoon, so I've had <laughs> enough coffees this morning. So today, I'm sharing a a cup of uh, ginger water. So, yeah, okay. so uh, that's that's exactly what I'm. I have to try your coffee later, huh? Definitely. I, I took, uh, as I shared with, with the audience and, and in my other podcasts, uh, trying to find healthy habits to build over COVID. And one mm. of my passions was always coffee. So invested in a good <laughs> machine and started traveling the world, buying beans uh, from all over the world. So that was, that was a great passion. And my wife is forever grateful for that as well. So she gets uh, gourmet coffee every day. <laughs> Francis, where are you right now? Let's, let's tell the audience. Where are you right now? Wan Chai, Hong Kong. Wan Chai, Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, so uh, we just moved to Wan Chai. So uh, four years ago, we, we were at uh, Sam Shui Po, if you remember. Shui so we worked yes. a lot more projects on grassroots. Yeah. Right now, I think it's time for us to really move into different more sectors. So I think we moved to Wan Chai so that we can meet more different partners. <laughs> so I am going to give a quick background introduction, Francis, sure. because your background is so extensive but you are the chief the founder and chief executive of the social ventures hong kong it's a social impact business and mm -hmm. it was one of the pioneers in hong kong i i remember going to a talk that you ran because i had built an ngo for for sustainability of business in hong kong mm -hmm. that was just like kind of grassroots early stage thing and i heard you speak i think it was over 10 years ago so that was my first exposure to you but francis is is local Hong Kong, Hong Kongese, Cantonese, Chinese, mm -hmm. and he's got his family here. He came from the corporate background. Your corporate background story is from is from where, Francis? Um, advertising, marketing, and strategy for more than advertising, 10 years. Marketing. <laughs> Currently, he's a founder of Playtow, Playtow Education, Bought Less, Hat, Sonova, and co-founder of Green Monday and Run Our City in Hong Kong. He's been recognized for so much of his work, uh, also a young global leader with the World Economic Forum, one of Hong Kong's 10 outstanding young persons in 2011, and uh, deputy chairman of the Asian Venture Philanthropy Network. His list is extensive. Francis is uh, going to introduce a bit about what he does at the end of the show, but he's also um, an ultra-running veteran. He completed the North Pole Marathon in 2013, the Sundown Ultra Marathon 100-kilometer race, and the 250-kilometer Gobi March for the Four Desert Race Series. So I remember him, uh, I remember going to a couple of talks where he speaks about that as well. Francis is extremely inspiring, as, as you'll hear from my tone. Mm -hmm. I am extremely inspired. Francis, let's, let's rewind a bit, please. I want to take you back about, about 20 years because there's so much of what you've done that started off back then. Why don't we talk about 20 years? Where were you and what were you thinking of doing? Oh, um, 20 years. I think it's um, about the time that I, I just um, came out from the university right. and started my career in the business world. 
So I think it was great. I like uh, business as a game. But I think over time, especially I think uh, before I started Social Ventures Hong Kong at 2007, I found that um, business is lacking something that uh, made me have to uh, be volunteer on weekend. Because we find that business as a game is fun, but I think at, at, at the end, I think it's lacking sort of, I can call it purpose, that uh, every day bring me to the work. So I think uh, by that time, I have to say, every day I was wake up uh, by the alarm clock. So I think uh, I need to make my living. I enjoy the game, though. I work uh, till very late so that I cannot do any more board games. So I start running. <laughs> so, But I think uh, I want to work for purpose. I think like today, after 15 years on working for Social Ventures Hong Kong, I cannot imagine I can go back to the business world. But by then, I think like most of the others right now, as are working for their career, I think uh, by the time I feel a little empty sometimes when I'm seeing that, oh, every day when I'm uh, after the hard work, what is the difference? Maybe some of the rich people got richer or I can make my good living or prospect. But what, what else to the society? So I think after having one, um, uh, two kids, at the age of one year old and two year old, I start to think that uh, I have to move on. So I started the organizations and trying to, by the time I think, I have to make the society better. But uh, fast forward, I think these two years made me feel very differently. So I have to catch up with you, Deepak, my brother. Yeah, these last two years, I'm, and, we'll, and we'll get to that, my, my gosh. Uh, sure. But so Social Ventures Hong Kong, that was your startup. Can I say that? I mean, there was yep. no prior, uh, there was no prior business, well, outside of working for companies, there was no founder experience for you before that, right? Yes, that's why and, was and, my first and, startup. And these were social ventures you decided, that these were for-profit social ventures you started, correct? But that was the it, aim, it correct? Is, it is a non-profit philanthropy model by that time. So we try to pull a fund, but it's still a philanthropic base. Yeah. Uh, but what uh, um, the social enterprise that we invested way forward, hope that they could be independent. And if right. there is money uh, coming back from these ventures, which we are not very lucky after all, but sure. I think uh, we will also put that profit into uh, the social good to evergreen it. So I think it's um, sort of uh, the, the ventures that is like that. And Francis, on the uh, ventures that you started, which one, if, if you could choose one just as a starting point, gave you the biggest learning curve? I think maybe I will start with Green Monday. Green Monday. Uh, maybe okay. Maybe some of the audience have heard about them. I think fast forward, I think after nine years of uh, incepting the concept. So right now they are apart from Hong Kong, they launched Singapore, they have shops in Shanghai, we have Taiwan, uh, Thailand, etc. So I think it's from Hong Kong. What we do is trying to promote a plant-based diet. We are not seeing that uh, we have to promote vegetarian, but also more so is like uh, promoting flexitarian. Mm. So it's a consistent habit to change your diet to have more plant-based compositions in that. So I think by promoting a one week, one day mid-tree to late one, we start up, if you heard about Green Common, which yes. is our concept store. Now we have around eight stores in Hong Kong, uh, a few in Asia. And then also late one, we have another spin-off venture is uh, launching Omni Pork. Yes. So it's like a Beyond Me, the Asian version, but it's on a pork substitute. So I think right now we work with, uh, apart from our concept store, we uh, launch our wet market shop. And then we also are penetrating into many uh, FMB. We even work with McDonald's if you are uh, in Hong Kong. If you um, go McDonald's Hong Kong, they have breakfast on uh, Omni lunch and meat. It's a Green Monday product. So overall, I think the learnings behind it is try to promote a movement, but I had to combine with a business model. So that's how we are called the impact startup. There's so much to unpack here. Let me just add, I'm smiling as I'm, as I'm talking to Francis because this movement 
I think something about Francis that maybe he's finally come to realize is that he's very pioneering because it's not just, you know, social ventures, but it's actually these ventures that are really aiming for massive impact. A Green Monday concept coming from Hong Kong from a local Cantonese individual was almost a nonsensical idea uh, when he started. Okay, can, I, can I say that? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm primarily vegetarian. Grew up in Hong Kong and, you know, my whole complaint is there's only limited restaurants we can go to. And, exactly. you know, when you ask for vegetables, it's with me. Right. So so that's that's the joke. Right. So uh, and there's no complaints. This is this is culture. This is this is there's no complaints that one culture is better than the other culture. But but his point is flexitarian. So here's a, a local Hong Kong individual who's who's promoting a flexitarian diet. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's a social venture, <laughs> you know, talk about talk about making this harder for yourself. Right. Starting a movement that that became successful, he goes on to the shops. Green Commons, by the way, is um, those of you internationally won't know it much, but in Hong Kong, it's one of the again pioneering vegetarian food shops. But it's pioneering because of its focus and its brand and its experience. So there's as a business, it's a very well-run business. So it's not just a shop; it's it's a very well-run business. The founder is also quite inspiring. Then the founder is, if I remember correctly, Francis, he's also the uh, founder of Omnipork. Correct? He's he. He launched that. It's the same group. It's a Green Monday consortium. Yeah. Say it's the same group, exactly. And and so now we're talking about one of the biggest investment VC-funded markets in you know segments in, in the world, which is plant-based diets. So, I mean, this has all been led from, you're hearing the story from ground up from Francis, which mm-hmm. is why I'm, I'm smiling. This is fascinating. <laughs> so Francis, Green Mondays as a movement in a market that doesn't really understand vegetarian to shops. Tell me, tell me about that journey. So I think it's um, summing off with a um, very, um, personal habit. So I, I was a big meat eater. So right now I'm a I'm vegetarian. So for uh, 10 years, didn't touch the meat. But I think it's a, we talk a lot about the climate change. There's a lot of, um, uh, we, we, we awareness already built up. We know how the ocean is suffering. We how uh, the animal cruel, cruelty problems are happening. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people do not have the options to participate. So I think plant-based is a plant-based is a very effective way. So every meal, actually, we can vote to commit ourselves to be uh, to to a real actions for climate change. It's that simple. So I'm going to I'm not going to repeat all the uh, figures on plant-based. You just yes, yes, of course. Yeah. But I think um, um, overall in Hong Kong, we raised up the flexitarian populations from five percent ten years ago to right now consistently more than twenty three percent. So pork is a big consumption. It's from China and yeah. also the Chinese people. Yeah. So right now, with all these substitutes, actually, we're changing a lot of the food chain. And if right now, um, Deepak, when you go out, it's much easier in all the restaurants. Totally. Yeah. When you when you order plant-based, they will give you these kind of um, substitutes as well. Yeah. So I think changing the culture or changing the movement, and we need some kind of business solutions. We need to go into the day-to-day impact lifestyle, what we call so I think uh, the learning behind it is um, how to combine it and make it cool and make it available everywhere. It's very important in changing or committing to a bigger SDG goal or climate change goal. So I think you have to turn it into more actionable. We call it the baby step to go into the consumer behavior. Mm. And then tell me, Francis, what is it, you know, when you started, what were some of the things that you had to learn or the structures you had, you had to put in place in order to execute this vision? You know, let's talk basics, right? Yeah. So I think at first, I think it started off with a, a movement. It's just a nonprofit mission. So it's a, the Green Monday Foundation part. Sure. So it's just like a meatless Monday, meat-free Monday around the world. 
we are um, asking people to commit. But and at the first when we are when do not we when we do not have a lot of investments or a lot of people helping us, we try to talk to the big restaurant chain, try to convince them on Monday, please launch more vegetarian options and name it Green Monday. So we were successful to get some um, fast food chain, a big one, to join in. Why did they listen to you, Francis? Why did they listen to you? I don't know, <laughs> uh, but maybe I think it's um uh, we we get of course we get a strong passion. Tell them, convince them how the environmental issues is right now. And I think ten years ago, it's a lot of the corporates started to aware that they have to do more social good, especially environmentally. So consumers started to uh, be convinced that with some of the corporate, if they do good, they want to support them. It's more obvious these two years, especially after all these kind of uh, social investing. But I think ten years ago. Just a few of them aware of that. But I think these are good enough for us to do it. And also, like for the consumer, we make it a baby step and an easy, easy step. For a big fast food chain, we're just asking them on Monday, you, you keep on selling your, your meat, your pork, your beef is fine. But I think just launch a few options. So to them, it's an easy step. Hmm. So they treat it as a marketing campaign to run for it, to leverage our uh, free social marketing for them. So it's a it's kind of collaborations that we have to think about their need as well. So I think that's how we connect. So Francis, thanks for getting there. <laughs> With your marketing background, I think you're you're also taking that almost for for granted because I think you really had to understand the customer, right, and their needs. As you said, you had to really understand the customer and their needs. I think you were also talking about part of the leverage being the marketing that you guys were supporting as well, right, for them to yeah. join, right. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like you had to figure out a way to convince them and that was the way to convince them. So I think it's the same for the community that we want to help. So for all our uh, different social issues where we are intervening into it, I think apart from the business model, we have to understand the consumer. Hmm. Uh, in terms of the impact model, you have to understand the grassroots families, the, the, uh, the people in poverty or the youth um, that uh, have deviant situations that they, you have to understand them. Hmm. So I think it's the, it's the same type of marketing to right. understand the market. I mean, so, so that's, that's valuable, right? Francis, again, I, we have to recognize that you have been successful over time, you know, in these, in these ventures, right? And hence, that's why you are who you are. And I think a lot of the approach that I see for, from an, in, even in business, right? Let's just talk about starting up. It's always about what I have in my head and I'm telling you buy my product. That's the way the standard approach is. But again, if you're not approaching it from the customer point of view, even though a lot of people say it, but I'm not approaching it really from the customer point of view. You're going to miss the message or, or sound preachy, correct? And I mean, it, then it's, it's not benefiting anybody. So I think I'm not sure whether it's a time for us to also quote another case. It's called Lightbeat. Please yeah, no, go ahead. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for that, I think, I think Green Monday is one case. So I think fast forward, I think that was um, uh, quite uh, globally famous right now. Last year, we raised 70 million of US so that we can uh, support more capacity in terms of uh, manufacturing the Omnipork series of things but i think for light b we are in the, um, we are going into another issues there's what's the name of the second one light b light b is the uh, company uh, to social ventures name then product is called light home in Cantley Square farm it's a like um, a light for a home why is okay. that because in hong kong we all get to know that we got a serious problem of subdivided units, units. subdivided units correct yes. which are, are basically many families living in different rooms in one small apartment yeah, right. uh, under seven square meter or ten square meter. Is each so Hong room. Kong yeah. population seven million or something? Poverty population populations one million of them. But at least right now, on paper, more than two hundred thousand people under severe situations 
in many of the cage house or subdivided units. Mm, so that's a big, that yeah, that's a big housing and poverty yeah. problem in Hong Kong. Yeah, right. yeah. So like B and like home product is actually trying to equalize the market. So with uh, affordable mo- rental model, there are some landlord rent their house to us without charging the market rent. And then we re-rent that to some single mom with the young kids. So it's that kind of model that we're uh, right now combining it. And then uh, we are not subdividing it. So it's a co-living model. So we encourage the grassroots families to live with each other. So, uh, but after that, they rebuild the neighborhood. It's not a long-term interventions. They got lower rent, lower rent to pay, but I think at most they could live there for three years. Fast forward, right now we collected 130 apartments over the years, and then uh, more than 400 families and 1,000 people been there before. But the average living time is two years. So it's proven that with these kind of interventions, we help the families get out of the poverty cycle. So that's the um, model behind it. Francis, again, you've you found another business model. Okay, mm-hmm. you you found another business model matching a problem with it with a solution. Okay, how much experimentation did you have to do to understand this model? So again, let me, let me just clarify. Hong Kong has this problem of cage homes, so families, so it could be up to two three people, are living in seven square meters in a room and sharing an apartment, right? Of mm-hmm. which there are two three families inside. You've managed to find a business model where landlords, because Hong Kong there are many wealthy people here and they own multiple mm-hmm. apartments. They are willing to give up the apartments at a below market rental, yep. of which then you will match them with families to stay as a, but as a co-living model and not as a multiple room model, correct? Okay. So I think, um, uh, I think uh, in a way that we are inventing a new market. So of course, there's a lot of grassroots families. They need an affordable market uh, for them to, to, to order them. But at the same time, we discovered actually there's a group of landlords. They do not just need the market rent for mm-hmm. them as an income. So a lot of the Hong Kong people invest into properties. But I think many of them are just put idle. They treat it as an asset game. So they don't want to bother to rent it out. So in case they, they meet with some uh, bad tenants, they don't want it. But I think it's right now that uh, we're uh, trying to reshuffle these two markets together. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a, in a way, it's a new business model that we discovered. But later on, we also find that there are some capacity locked up with the government. So actually, the government are actually having some underutilized premises rented to us. So uh, we call it a light housing model. Uh, in Samjang, in Hong Kong, that we got a, a building of 45 more units wow. that we got from the government. So later on, actually, that turned into uh, happened in the government's policy agenda. So they have a new policy of social housing. So mm. these few years already more than 10 NGOs are replicating what we do for like home 10 years ago. So okay. I think le- uh, recent two years, so it's another uh, big developer, New World Group. They have rented us uh, with a piece of land for free. We are building up a light village. So it's uh, we were going to grind up with a container housing for uh, 100 units in the making right now. So you have proven the ability to have an idea, have a vision to figure out the business model and then get the right stakeholders involved as well. And all of this has been done. And I say this, so I say this to everyone with all the stakeholders involved and happy with the results, because this is such a, I I run businesses, Francis, business partners, my team leaders, my clients, people aren't happy all the time. Incentives aren't aligned. There is an alignment with strategy sometimes. People are off doing their own thing. How are you keeping the teams focused? How does Francis operate? It's my pain point. We always unfocus. <laughs> so over the years, I think fast forward, we have um, worked on more than 
several hundred, uh, several tens of uh, different social ventures. So I think uh, recent year we also um, go into the mainstream. We work as a consultant called a Business 2.0 consultant. I uh, work on some impact strategy for some bigger corporate like the Spy Group, Airport Authority Hong Kong, um, Urban Renewal Authority, etc. Because we think that by just growing social enterprise is not enough. We have to penetrate into different mainstream. Green Monday, we cannot just have our own only pork and mm-hmm. our own concept store. Yeah. We have to penetrate into the F&B. So we always cannot focus. But I think all the more we're trying to point everything, as I brief my team, it's uh, on purpose. Mm-hmm. Whatever is good for impact, we try to work on that. So I think uh, to many of the entrepreneurs, uh, at first, we, we didn't know what, how far we can go. Yeah. Uh, like, like home or Green Monday, we don't know what could happen 10 years later. But all the time, I think we have to go back on the why we are setting up our own ventures, yeah. why we are doing this, why we need to go into an extra mile when we are very comfortable. We have to keep on moving because I think to us, especially on social ventures, the society is keep on changing and there is a lot of untapped business need or social need in the market. So I think we have to keep on inventing, try to collaborate with more people. So I think that's how to keep our team going forward without knowing the goal. I'm hearing purpose, your why. I'm hearing a lot about collaboration. I'm hearing a lot about reinvention. I mean, this is, uh, it's so easy to talk about it, but when you're actually doing it and facing it. So Francis, I guess I remember, what was the name of your taxi venture? Oh, it's, it's called Diamond Cab. Diamond Cab, right. So that was pioneering in Hong Kong, right? That wasn't a movement or something. That was like a brick and mortar business, right? Tell me about that briefly. So uh, Diamond Cab is, uh, was, uh, we, uh, is our very first homegrown social ventures. So it's uh, a wheelchair accessible taxi, basically. So by that oh, time, 12 years ago. Wheelchair access taxi. Wheelchair sorry, accessible no. taxi. Wheelchair accessible taxi. Didn't That's exist right. in Hong Kong. Again, right? Didn't exist yeah, in Hong Kong. Not before, not before, not before. So I think... Yeah. Uh, but by that time, we want our complaint is a lot of uh, disabled people lock up at home, even though when we, when they need to just um, not going to shopping, but I think when they need to go to see hospital, yeah. it's a um, big hassle. Yeah. So uh, um, what we complain is uh, why London got London cap? Is mm. all of them are which are accessible? Why Hong Kong is no taxis like that? Yeah. Of course, there of course there were, were some um, charity model, non-profit running some. Um, getting government funding to run some uh, ca- um, vehicles to carry these kind of uh, um, wheelchair users. But I think it's a, it's a long waiting time always. Sure. So I think to us, if we could break through with the um, taxi industry, that's the ultimate goal that we, have, we need to, can work on. So I think by that time, it's uh, the most difficult way, but I think we have to break through. So fast forward, I think, again, I think like, um, uh, like home, there are many other taxi operators right now, apart from us. We have a small car fleet still, but I think we inspired a lot of other players to launch this kind of cap. So I have to say right now, I think at least 200 of the uh, taxis in Hong Kong are wheelchair accessible, right? And this didn't exist before you planted the seed in Hong Kong. And I remember the founder or one of the co-founders speaking once. Mm. And as somebody had asked her a question about, you know, what, what do you think about people copying your model and the competition coming in? And she gave a wonderful reply. She said, I love it because it validates my business model. You know, with the mindsets, again, there, there are things, and I want my audience to hear this. There are things, that's why Francis is quite special. There are things he operates on by default. He doesn't operate with competition and a winner-take-all model. And maybe you could say because he's a social venture, but Keep in mind, Green, it's called, it's, it's, is it Green Monday Foundation? What is the name of the company now? Uh, it's, a, it's a Green Monday Group. 
It's so, a Green uh, Monday group. The, the nonprofit part is a Green Monday Foundation. Okay. But we also have a Green Command and some other. Correct. So that's all part of the group. And you said the yeah. last fundraise was how much? Uh, 70 million US. 70 million US dollars. Yeah. So I, I just like to keep this in mind that, you know, Francis operates with a strong business sense, but from the point of view of how you and I would operate as, when I say you and I, I'm talking about the audience, me, you and I as a for-profit model. There's no difference, correct, Francis? The yeah, it's the same. I mean, he's just, she's, by the way, shrugging, sh- shrugging his shoulders and just saying, of course, yeah, it's just the same. Uh, this, this isn't a, this isn't a charity. Please, please keep this in mind. This is what's, uh, this is what's so inspiring for, for myself. And it's the why that, that keeps it going. But one of Francis's superpowers is clearly his ability to collaborate and to see the whole market for what it is, not to see what he can take from the market. Building on what you just said, I think, um, uh, way forward, what we see is that I, I think we should not just, um, seeing what is social enterprise and what is startup. We're blurring the line. Way forward, there should not be any social startup or startup. It is the same thing again. So I think for all of you, if you are a founder or you, if you are an entrepreneur, uh, we're all doing the same thing, like, uh, Doris, Diamond Caps founder. I was Doris. Making our competitor, um, obsolete. So making the market a new innovation. So uh, we, we always keep on inventing. We do not just stop at the um, point one. So I think it's all rated day for everything. So way forward, I think if um, in our game plan, if we want to real make a real uh, game-changing social good for the whole society, we need startup on board as well. So if you are an entrepreneur or startup, I, I will go back to the word purpose again. If you can find a good purpose, your employees or your colleagues will work harder for you Mm. Because they got a bigger visions, um, um, beyond uh, making a good money. But at the same time, I think it will keep us also keep on inventing as well. So I would say way forward, if we could get all the startups, all the founders think about social, we do not need social enterprise anymore. So there's, there's the other pioneering concept from him again, which has become <laughs> standard language today. Francis, tell me about your teams, your hiring, your collaborating process with respect to operating your businesses. What are some learnings you've you've uh, established over the years? Uh, with my team, right? Yeah, with your teams, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we got a quite a diverse background of people joining us. Um, some of them quit their iBank job, some of them from consulting background, some of them, are, a little portion of them actually from nonprofit or social, social workers. Not a lot of them. But some of them are from art and media and different sectors. So I think the good way for us, um, because we, we treat ourselves to be an aggregator, try to work with different sectors. So we, we need to have, um, an organization with a very diverse background. I myself, it's more from the marketing or strategy part. So I think we, I need more complementary skills around that. So when we are working with different sectors, we got some people can speak in their language. So I think that's, um, the variety is very important in our composition. Variety. Variety is very important in your composition. Okay. Francis, and now let's, let's come, let's come fast forward now. I think before COVID, uh, most entrepreneurs I was speaking with and myself included, I mean, 2019 are in December, our budgets were expected to be 30% higher. The world was looking amazing. Right. And then slowly, slowly we saw. What happened? What's changed for you in terms of focus, operations? What's, what's changed for you in the last 12 months? I think uh, it's the whole, it's the uh, whole strategy my, and my own mindset wow. is totally okay. shifted. So it's not a pivot. I would say it's um, totally we're giving up the old company and starting a new one. Uh, we want to, to do change making, a future making. 
So all these are in the last 15 years, we are trying so hard in building up different models. Since the social unrest and the COVID is a big hit for us and making us feel that uh, we want to make a difference, but I think it's not difference. It's, um, if, the, if there is a difference, it's getting worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. So overall, our social problems is getting more serious. I think uh, with the government, right, the situation right now, I think it's very hard for them to bring different sectors together to work on some good policy. So I think we have to rely on our own. So, uh, but I think the good thing is that we hear from more different sectors, especially the business sectors. I think they are ready to take up the next wave of FinTech. So like what we said, I think uh, apart from we wait for someone to quit their job to do a social enterprise, mm. we try to convince the startup culture to think about go more social. But all the younger generations, they, they, they say, why not? It's a great thing. Yeah. So I think it's the worst time, but I think it's the time for us to rethink our own model, try to bring different sectors together. Uh, we don't just um, treat building social enterprise, incubating them to be our own model, uh, the, to be the only model. Yeah. Uh, also trying to convince the business corporate, model, no matter the uh, larger corporate or medium size or small size, they all, they all got their own capacity in working on the purpose. Uh, even the nonprofit sector, recent years we are helping some of the nonprofit um, philanthropy fund like uh, community chess if you um, get to know community chess is huge in Hong Kong yeah and yeah, um, a more traditional one but I yeah. think we are helping them um, to build up a social innovation fund what? social innovation fund social innovation fund okay so they segregate a small portion of funding uh, in the next three years to form a new type of funding method so that to convince the non-profit sector to think more social innovation solutions so we are helping to uh, run a lot of workshops talk to their member organizations to build up these kind of uh, new ideas as well. Mm. So I think uh, all the more what we see is that uh, the whole society is um, trying to find a new way. I think uh, we are rapidly migrating into a new world. And this, in this new world, I think we are not uh, living in a silo. We want to work more together. But I think uh, building on the main theme is on purpose. So all the more can we pick up with the civic sector or the business sector to combine our own effort to think more about uh, our social problems or the so- solutions for these kind of problems, I think it's very important for us. Mm, well said, Francis. What's keeping you busy right now, Francis? I think trying to convince more the unconverted. So like uh, what we're um, promoting on the business with purpose, right business. now we are working with the Hong Kong uh, Management Associations to launching a platform for business with a purpose. So it's, it's somewhat like the business roundtable in the US two okay. years ago. Okay. So right now, there are a lot of big corporate, including uh, Swire Group, uh, Hong Kong Broadband, different uh, McDonald's Hong Kong, all these sure. com- uh, companies come on board. And thinking that apart from they are doing good things on different aspects, right now, they want to do it more collectively and want to share their experience with more of the um, other counterparts in the business sector. So mm. this is one of the things that we're trying to evangelize and convince more people, uh, convert the unconvert. One of the things keep us very busy right now. Collaboration, Francis, I'm hearing that as a theme from, I mean, it's something I'm, I'm observing and it's, I'm hearing that as a theme from the other entrepreneurs who are really pioneering during this time. It's not the time for thinking for minor changes. It is the time for thinking to do the, the big changes, the potentially scary changes, the, you know, it's the big thinking, thinking that needs to happen right now because there's no other way to approach what we're seeing, the impact definitely it's, it's like a, I mean, the way I say it, it's like World War Three. the impact of what's happening with COVID. Uh, it's impacting globally. Everybody's impacted, right? There's nobody who's, who can say, you know, it's not going to impact me. No way, 
right? Uh, we were just talking about the resurgence in India just now, right? But we're going to have to see businesses think different in a big way going forward. You know, this is also part of the reason why I'm, I'm decided to launch the podcast at this time. I think people need to hear that the way they are thinking isn't strange because I think entrepreneurs are thinking that it's time for a big move. But you know what? Maybe so this is the wrong time. But no, it is time for the big move. I, I, they need to hear that from leaders like yourself and, you know, hear what, what you're doing on the ground here. You know, even in a place like Hong Kong, wow, there's still so much to do. So I think right now we are also um, taking the chance to change our strategy, to change our vision. So right now we have a, a new theme called New Urban 2030, trying to get the, especially the younger generations to think about more way forward, okay. what we need 10 years later. Mm. And then right now we work back. If we want to eliminate all the inhumane subdivided units, yeah. what we need now to work on, work with different sectors yeah. to launch any new innovation or to get different sectors to collaborate together. So let's work towards on these goals. But I think right now in general, um, at least in Hong Kong, I think we are losing hope. People are leaving. Yes. And then, uh, some people are desperate. Youngsters have got a lot of emotional problems. Yeah. They feel helpless. They cannot see uh, the aspirations of future. So I think right now we need to collectively, I think especially, especially for our generations, I think we are the bridge, um, the older ones who is owning the capital or the right to do things. But we also have a good dialogue with the younger gen generations. Right, right. We need to new build more power. So as you said, collaborations is so much more important. Yeah. Apart from individual social innovation working towards on uh, different social issues, we might need more infrastructure innovations. We need more new ways of uh, collaborating. Yeah. It's equally important for our, uh, our way forward 10 years later. A lot of work to do, Francis. <laughs> well, we need your help, Deepak. Definitely. Look, it's, I mean, that's why it's, it's amazing that there are people like you involved, you know, who can also guide people like myself. I run businesses that are internationally focused. So for me, even though I'm, I'm born here, you know, I, I live an expat lifestyle in Hong Kong. Let's be very frank. And uh, even though we are inconvenienced by all the issues that are happening here, but we're still very lucky to enjoy, you know, what Hong Kong offers us, the safety and the environment. Just, the, I mean, number one is the safety, right? Just, just this place is just so safe. And then, you know, just the high quality of lifestyle that we have. Uh, no, I, I think people, we need to get, we need to get more involved. And I think uh, collaboration is the key. Francis, if people would like to reach out to you, is LinkedIn and Facebook, are, are they the best channels to reach out yeah. to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or anyone, if uh, they find Deepak, I think Deepak can find me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Francis, are you still running? Yeah, I ran to work today. Okay. So I, I, I try to save my time. So okay. I instead of, uh, and also save my money. Okay. So instead of, uh, <laughs> Uh, getting on the bus or the uh, ferry, I think right now I run. <laughs> okay, good for you. Good for you. Francis, thank you so much. My ending question that I ask most guests is, you know, what's a, what's a piece of advice you would have given yourself maybe 10 or 15 years ago that you would, would have actually listened to? I think uh, dream big, act small, and go deep. Just follow your heart. I think that's the only thing that I keep me going in these 15 years of journey or even my ultra marathon journey. Mm. So I think uh, for you guys as well. Thank you. Thanks very much, Francis. Thank you, Deepak. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Did you have any moments of clarity? I would love for you to rate and review this episode. Your feedback is crucial to tailoring this content for your growth needs. If you would like to hear more, please be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn and or message me on dm at deepakscoffee.com.